This is a podcast from Minute Media. Hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Tigers Radio Podcast here at uh, MotorCityBengals.com. I'm Rahul Ceiling Sammy's Uper and Chris Brown. You know where to find us today is a bonus show, so I'm not going to go into the formalities too much, but you know, you find us iTunes spot. Yeah, you know the rest. So we, with the White Sox show we did Thursday, we didn't really get a chance to talk about some of the spring training stuff and what have you. So tonight we're at Bad Hop Studios West. So I'm going to explain that a little bit. So Chris's former show where him and I first came acquainted, Bad Hop Radio is his former podcast, which I had some ideas about, Chris, that we should bring back. Uh, that'd be kind of cool. But um, anywho, Oh, you have the control. So Chris is about 15 feet away from me right now. So we're we're actually in the same room for once. But um, what's nice is we're, we're testing out a new setup. So Chris has got a new Rode mic. I have the other mic, and I was able to finagle and get everything set up. And Youper, I recommend a Youper for a mic for his phone yes. that is omnidirectional, or excuse me, um, kind of like a uh, – lapel mic kind of thing and you can hook up to your iphone so we got that going so all the technology is going through here and so that is the reason why you subscribe to our patreon patreon or patreon.com forward slash tigers my league report because it goes into little things and i find deals and go from there so but yeah we're gonna get in plenty of the tiger conversation this evening and we had some questions and just really just straight Let's just get right to the point. Tigers lost today to the Orioles 5-3. to three. The first time they've taken the Orioles. They've faced the Orioles all season in spring training as part of their pod. So earlier we were listening to the game on radio. Come some sloppy defense came out of there. Miguel Diaz got lit up, who's trying to fight for Bulls' pen spot. But Tyler Alexander looked good. And for all accounts, it looks like he's ready to go, Chris, for spring training. Yeah, and Tyler Alexander is just a guy who goes and gets out. It's uh, it's never terribly sexy, and I don't know. I mean, to me, it'll be an interesting argument at some point. You know, him over Manning. I think Manning's going to win no matter what. Uh, they're both going to be in the rotation to start the year, I believe. But yeah, it's just I, I don't know. He's a guy. He's he's uh, the sort of uh, classic bulldog who just goes out there, throws strikes, and tries to get out. And yeah, like you said, that the defense let him down today. I think there was two errors by Jack Lopez on one play. And uh, another error later in the game, I believe, that, that cost uh, the Tigers. Yeah, three errors for the Tigers. So, you know, but that's – unfortunately, that's one of the things you get with Tyler Alexander is he, he's a, a pitch-to-contact guy. He's not going to miss a ton of bats uh, except for that one time when he missed all of them in a row. <laughs> and uh, so every now and then you're going to run into some some defensive miscues. But uh, I thought – I mean, from what it sounded like, he sounded like he was good. We, we had no video footage today. I think it might be the only game all spring that doesn't have a camera because I don't know what's going on with Baltimore's spring training home. Apparently, they don't even have like an advanced scoreboard. Dave Dickerson was talking about how it just has ball strikes and outs, <laughs> and, like <or laughs> runs. There's no no velocity, nothing else. But uh, yeah, I don't know. You know, it was it was an away game, so they of their regulars who was there, like in the starting lineup, it was Candelario was the only regular really. Yeah, I think you know they had a couple other young guys come in later as pinch hitters, pinch runners, and stuff, but. Yeah, so it's you know just one of those away games in spring training. I think Tyler Alexander, you know, uh, 
he's kind of that classic profile of um, kind of the spare part guy who throws enough strikes, uh, keeps in a, you know a left-hander who can probably just keep milking that career for a long time, uh, and should be pretty handy this year. Especially when if they, I still don't believe Manning throws more than 120 innings, even if he's uh, effective. All right, so I'm still getting used to this whole technology setup here we have. But, yeah, the, you know, Matt Manning yesterday pitched, and there was a couple of – he had his breaking ball out early and looked pretty good, but then left a couple hanging over the plate and got hammered. And, Chris, this is all part of spring training you work on. It looks like he was trying to work more exclusively on his off-speed. But, I'm again, this is spring training. It's just one of those things – it just happens as he's trying to make his way and get ready for the for opening day. Yeah, I think with Manning, I think there's always an element of someone like Manning is, is he's not guaranteed a job, but he pretty much is unless it's a complete disaster. And I wouldn't say that yesterday counted as a complete disaster. He made a couple of mistakes and got rocked really hard. I think the uh, was the Phillies hitters, three consecutive balls over 107 miles per hour against him. He gave up four in the game and he gave up 20 of those all year last year. So it was like, hey, yeah, he really wasn't uh, dialing in his location. But he, like you said, spring training. None of it really matters. None of it counts. Uh, as long as he doesn't continue to get rocked. I mean, think back to a year ago at this time, Casey Mize was getting rocked, I think, in his first three or four spring training outings. And then, you know, he settled down and everything was fine. So I think uh, with Manning, we don't have too much to worry about. Although, as I often say, I'm not a huge believer in the ceiling there, but whatever. <laughs> yeah. And, and and the thing is, like, especially with some of the position battles you have right now, and there's a lot of, a lot of interesting storylines with spring training so far, but the one of them, one of the things that probably helps Manning a little bit is the fact that he has got a spot in the rotation, and that kind of really kind of allows him to be more comfortable. Maybe it just it's it, we can't look at like right now, for example, here we are looking at spring training bat, battles for the outfield, and today was an example of both Victor Reyes and Derek Hill. Hill made a good catch same with Victor Reyes and uh, Reyes had a double off the wall I believe and Hill I think he stole a bit he got on base as well he had a hit struck out but they both looked really good today and so it's almost trying to nitpick those kind of things as we try to we try not to but as far as Matt Man is concerned when it comes to starting pitching spring training allows you to work on your craft it allows you to work things out and so, but as far as the bullpen goes, we'll get to that in a second. But overall, Matt Manning's final line yesterday was the one of the lines before we get to the Matt Manning thing, I just realized Tigers, look, the Phillies are going to have him for a long season. If they get, I know they had a lot of guys that weren't going to be up in the roster, but what there was a stat here, there was an inside a number that Chris, it was a really good inside a number that we'll get to here in a second involving Riley Green. Yes, this is our first inside of numbers for the year, but it was the fact that Manning, you know, he recovered, finished it out, and but then you got Soto, who went out there 98 already, struck out a pair of batters. Michael Fulmer looked already good to go, but there was one performance yesterday that gave Chris a pause for concern, and that was a added, or the loss of velocity, which, again, could be nothing from Andrew Chapin. Yeah, you know, I, I don't want to make too much of it. Uh, Michael Fulmer's velocity is down too. It's just, you know, it, it could be part of the process for these guys. They're not, they're veterans. 
they're not probably going all out right now. They know what they can handle. Uh, I just thought it was worth mentioning because we've seen situations before where, hey, a highly touted middle reliever shows up and suddenly he's not throwing nearly as hard as he was before. And, and you know, Andrew Chafin's mm-hmm. game isn't based on velocity, but there's a certain threshold you have to have to be a, a major league pitcher for the most part. I don't think he's going to be a guy who's going to succeed at 88. I think 90 to 92 is where he has to live with a fastball. So a slider plays off of that. But again, spring training, he's probably just going out there, getting his work in. I, I wouldn't think too much of it. He got rocked. He didn't seem too upset about it. So. Yeah. As far as that, here's the echo there in the background. But as far as that goes, yeah, there's really, it could, like, I remember at this time too, right? It was around this time when Michael Fulmer, we were all concerned about that oh, wow. velocity drop. So, but in terms of a left-handed point of view, you still have three lefties. And Alexander will be in the rotation starting the year. And then when Michael Padilla gets his visa problems all taken care of, he'll be the swing man. And so that will be, again, the Tigers will have that kind of versatility that really three different lefties that can throw different three different styles and just allow them to have another, in terms of even like among the AL Central teams, I thought that, it was, they have a very intriguing bullpen, but Soto out there, no problem at all. And speaking of in terms of other pitchers and moves, that was a bad segue, so I apologize about that. But uh, no, in terms of cuts yesterday, the Tigers are continuing. More cuts will be coming tomorrow, but op, before yesterday's game, Tigers opted Miguel Del Pozo, Cody Clemens, Dax Short, the AAA. Both, all three are on the 40 man roster. Drew Carlton, Josh Lester, and Jacob Robson also have been assigned to minor league camp with the assumption that those three will be in Toledo. All six of those players will more likely be in Toledo. The Pozo is on the – the interesting thing about the Pozo is if you're looking at the fact that probably more likely Spencer Turkelson – we saw the opening day lineup yesterday with Spencer Turkelson and Riley Green more likely taking the roster spots of Spencer Turnbull and Jake Rogers. but with the 28 man spot and, and the battles, the Pozo did not have a good spring. He got roughed up against the Yankees. I believe that was on was that Friday. Was that, I can't remember the, the against the, I know he got roughed up yesterday, but I was trying to think of another game. He got roughed up either way. The Pozo's has struggled this spring. Tigers don't need four lefties out there, but is the Pozo's spot. I'll start with you. Uper, is the Pozo spot on the 40 man roster in jeopardy? Well, I think someone on his level, probably, you know, gets up every day and checks his phone, you know, uh, there, there, there could be a call coming at any point um, for that, you know, the end of the roster, those guys got to grind and just hope for the best and hope that, you know, chips fall in their, their way. Uh, certainly a slow start in spring is not a good sign for him. Uh, I don't know if the Tigers have a ton of needs beyond getting Torkelson and Riley Green on the roster. And as you mentioned, they have two, pretty easy spots for that um you know i think in the end they, the teams like to hold on to as much talent as they can for as long as they can until it's absolutely necessary though so but if he goes he goes i i can't see you know they, they won't sweat it yeah i know i think i think he's probably the first to go if there's if there's they need to make room and they probably will if they're going to add Green and Torque, you know, I had my conspiracy theory that I mentioned in the last show, but I think that they're going to start with Green and Torque, and that's going to take the two spots, and so they'll, they'll need to clear one or two spots to add uh, to get up to the 28-man 
presumably uh and maybe they'll they'll stick with the the relievers that are already on the roster but yeah i would think he would go and then who else uh, did we think i thought maybe zach short um he was also sitting down the other day wasn't he and we like some some of the things just zach short does he's got some power he's a decent infield glove but they just they've got a kind of an army of those guys now and and at a certain point it's just a numbers game so You know, Willie Castro, I think, is somebody. It's, yeah, it, was interesting, it was interesting to hear uh, Hinch talk about how useful he is and have the entire Twitter world say, uh, no, he's not. <laughs> well, it, go ahead, Chris. It's just something I've been saying for a while that that I think, and I said, I've said this in the podcast for years and years and years, that the, the teams tell you what they think about players by how they use them or where they put them in the minors. And. We saw last year Willie Castro got tons more playing time than someone like Isak Paredes, who was technically a much more highly ranked prospect who fans like more out of something. Willie Castro does something or multiple things that A.J. Hinch likes. Uh, he's kind of a bumbling. Uh, I called him a schlemiel the other day, which is a, a Yiddish word for basically somebody who, like a clown uh, or somebody who just is, is clumsy and bumbling. And that, you know, he, 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 kind of made a silly play in the outfield, but he's not a natural outfielder. And you understand that a little bit. And I think, I think Hinch likes that he does have some power more on that in a bit and uh, speed and he can play all over the field. Like there are a handful of guys in the, the roster like that, but you know, managers have their guys. Uh, I mean, you guys live through, we lived through Leland with Don Kelly and Sparky Anderson had a dozen guys, didn't he? So it, it's oh, just yeah. sometimes. One of the things that in terms of here's the roster, by the way, for anybody that's not watching us, watch us on YouTube excuse me, on Tiger minor league report, but the lineup looks something like this. The opening lineup yesterday against the Phillies, I think would probably be the opening lineup, but do bat and lead off Robbie Grossman, Javier Baez, Candelaria bat and cleanup, Cabrera bat and fifth scope, sixth, Riley green bat and seventh, Chris Turkelson bat and eighth and Tucker Barnhart bat and ninth. And I think that's just, to me, that's a good way to start opening day. There's as far as a cue ball do, which we'll get to in our, inside the numbers and well actually Riley Green will be part of the inside numbers the Spencer excuse me the Akil Baldu is part of my good and bad and the ugly so but either way it's we're getting ready this is the last final full week of spring training before Tigers have I think they play till I believe Wednesday the following week and then they have Chicago for opening day which by the way it was <laughs> listening to the podcast when we had both Janice and Crystal on, it sounded like all doom and gloom about the White Sox. <laughs> they really did. <laughs> yeah, they, they beat the Dodgers today in a meaningless spring game, I think like nine and nothing. But I'm still, let me just say this, I'm still petrified of that offense because it can it can mash. They have, but then the more I thought about what she was speaking about their dysfunctionality, the more you realize that the White Sox still don't have a right fielder. They still have an out, they don't have a rotation. They don't have no rotation depth, but Check out the podcast that was dropped on Thursday. And, and Janice and Crystal, again, great job of just explaining what's going on and, and really kind of – I like to think our podcast, quote-unquote, keeps it real. And sometimes it's – sometimes as a – I know Tiger fans or fans in general want to hear always the positive, and there's plenty of positives to be about. But for our White Sox fans, they are predicting that the White Sox will get to the World Series or, or, to, or get really far, but – I don't know. It's after that conversation, I realized, like, man, 
Chicago is flawed, and the Tigers are they were they they complimented the Tigers. So for any Tiger fans out there, there's some your little sliver of optimism. Because I don't have the music bed, so we're not gonna be able to throw in this in there. Uh Youper, do you have your inside or inside the number this week? I get a slap on the wrist. I do oh, that's not. My, oh, yeah, that's my bad. I don't think I, yeah, I, I, that's me. Okay, that's on me. But uh, yeah, that's usually in spring training, we do it towards the hell end of spring training. So, but my inside number this week, or Chris, you'll go ahead with your inside number, and then I'll, I'll go ahead with mine. All right. It was, uh, this is something that uh, if you happen to be on the, the Tigers Discord chat with us, uh, you may have seen me mention this a while back. Uh, the mine said the number this week is 29.8. And this uh, continues my long tradition of bringing up numbers that are kind of interesting, but mostly useless. So the other day I was noticing, uh, speaking of Willie Castro, I was noticing uh, that you know, he had one of the hardest hit balls for the Tigers last year, but his average exit velocity was super low, uh, 85.6. So I was like, I wonder who has the biggest disparity between his maximum exit velocity and average exit velocity from last year. So I looked at it. I went to Baseball Savant, and I set the minimum uh, batted ball events to 250. I figured that would be enough for us. And again, I'm not terribly sure this means anything, but it was Willie Castro at 29.8 miles per hour. He hit a ball 115.4 miles per hour last year, which is hard. Anything over 115 is, is uh, as we were saying in the chat, that's a bit of a piss missile, right? <laughs> uh, but his average exit velocity was just 85.6, which is not hard at all. That's uh, it was lower than Walker Bueller, Aaron Nola, John Lester, and a handful of other pitchers. John Lester, who? Yeah. So, uh, <laughs> but here's another thing: the second highest gap was Jonathan Scope at 29 flat. One else was above 27.4. So the Tigers have the two biggest gaps between guys who who crush the ball and hit the ball very softly. And then uh, Javier Baez was eighth, and Akil Badu was 16th. So. Uh, at least in terms of like all or nothing contact, the Tigers are going to be one of the great teams of all time. I think this year where wow. he might crush a ball or he might just hit it very softly. That's very interesting. Uh, there we go. All right. Like I said, it's going to take some while to get used to this remote setup, but by the way, if you are watching us on YouTube or on our, by the way, Twitch channel, which we did start this year, I haven't checked Twitter or Twitch numbers yet because I'm kind of, it's going to be a while before there's any type of audience on there. But uh, if you're listening on any th- or if you're watching us on any of those three channels. Oh, wait, you're you're muted, too. Yeah, I guess. Well, because I knew you were. Oh. But um, yeah, I didn't know if there's something I need to do over here to show show uh, chat comments or if. Uh... Oh, OK. Uh, just hit. Oh, hit. Com- I don't know if we are or not. That's why I just didn't. Are, are we getting comments? This is bad. This is bad podcasting. Bad form there is. Uh, <laughs> but either way, there's the link. If you're watching us on there, it is available. You can watch or you can join in the Discord channel. Some great conversation, talking baseball. Pretty much, there's a lot of people active on there all the time. So, but my inside number was one that Chris posted about earlier, and it was the number that really kind of, if you think about Riley Green, and uh, it was just a number that you don't hear very often. But Chris's stat was. Riley Green has seen 4.75 pitches per plate appearance this spring. Robbie Grossman led the Tigers last year with a plate appearance of 4.21. And that coincides with exit velocity that Riley Green's eight balls in play, and his average exit velocity is 95.1. So 
oh, by the way, Frankie Montez, short attention span. He's, well, they're just showing a highlight. Anyway, um, that to me shows a guy who already is ready to go. And they're, he, out of all the Tiger outfielders, he might not have, like, in terms of just being among leaders in hits so far for spring training, but just everything, as you said earlier, quote, a piss missile, Chris. <laughs> I think that's going to be the new podcast slang for it all. Just piss missile, perhaps. Or you're a miss. No, no, you're a miss. No. no, 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 no. Sorry. Sorry, folks. That, if anybody listening out there, I know people might just think of, well, piss is, sounds so vulgar. But when you hit something <laughs> that violently, it's vulgar. I mean, you're like, you swear. Don't act like you don't swear when you have a good golf swing or a good swing, whatever. <laughs> um, but yeah, we're Vangos. Yeah, see, we're Vangos going to be in Discord. Good, good job, this word Vango. Ooh, by the way, fantastic listener. So thanks for watching us on YouTube Live. But yeah, so yeah, when you think of piss, that's a violent word. So you should be. <laughs> I don't, I'm all right. I'm digging myself a hole here, so I'll stop that. But uh, so why don't we go into our good and bad, ugly, uh, whipper or when? <laughs> Youper, can you you think you have anything you could whip up pretty quickly? Go or... first, and I will. Okay. That's right. Okay. So my good and bad, the ugly this week, I will let Chris start that. Go ahead. Cause you had some really good ones that you were ready to go for Thursday. Uh, yeah. Well, yeah. One of them, my original good was Miguel Diaz and then he got roughed up today. So I had to switch around and it's actually kind of piggybacking on what you were saying about Riley green. Uh, and, and this is, you know, we all know that Riley green is good and, and the expectations are pretty high, but so far he's living them up, up to him. You know, it's spring training. It's not, not, a ton of uh, you know experience yet, but seven games. There's going to be peaks and valleys all year. It's tough for young guys, but he's four for twelve with a homer, a triple, a double, three walks, and four strikeouts. And as you mentioned earlier, he's seeing tons of pitches per plate appearance. I don't expect him to be the most patient hitter in baseball all year long. I think um, just as we wouldn't expect him to continue hitting three thirty three all year long, right? It's it's seven games. He's four for twelve. He's seen a lot of pitches. I think that's his process this spring for kind of getting ready. You know, he wants to see as many pitches as possible. Uh, maybe that's always what he wanted to do. I haven't checked to see, you know, what he, what he was looking at last year or the year before. But with the condensed spring, it makes sense. You know, see as many pitches as you can, get your timing down. But, um, no, I mean, I just everything we've seen some, from him so far shows how advanced he is. You can, you can get him to swing and miss, and he'll chase occasionally. But it's one of those things where if you make a mistake, he's making you pay. And we saw it in the other game. He, he was – what, two strikes against the lefty? And he's never had a problem with lefties, which is one of the best things about him. And the lefty uh, left a breaking ball over the heart of the plate, and he crushed it for a 106-mile-an-hour liner to the gap. Mm-hmm. And then he hustled for a double. And, uh, yeah, like just everything he's doing looks good. He's been perfectly fine on defense. We haven't seen him have to you know make any crazy plays. But that's – I mean, really, that's what we're talking – in center field, even as big as Comerica is, he's going to be able to make like 95% of the regular plays, I assume. It's just like those 5% that we don't know if he's going to have the, the the range to do, but, but he's good. He's probably going to be my good a lot this year, maybe yeah. once a month. Um, my bad, uh, speaking of the Orioles, they were playing today. Uh, just a bummer here. Uh, Heston Kierstad, I don't know if people know who that is. He was actually the second overall pick in 2020. He went right after Spencer Torkelson. Uh, that lives in podcast lore is the reason that Rahelio had to jump in my pool because the Orioles made the big splash. Uh, yeah, they they shocked everyone. He was considered like a top ten pick, but uh, you know, it was one of those things where they took him second to save money, and they liked his bat. 
But there, of course, there was no 2020 minor league season, so he didn't play. And then he came down with myocarditis. So he missed all of 2021 with that. And remember, that's what uh, Eduardo Rodriguez had, enlargement of the heart, basically, from a virus, I think, something like yep. that, um, which is scary as hell for anybody. Uh, and he said he finally felt normal in November. So that's, uh, you know, basically 15 months after he was drafted, he finally felt normal. And now he has a nasty hamstring strain, and he's expected to be out 8 to 12 weeks. So. His last competition was in March 2020 with Arkansas. So he's going to go over two years without facing any real competition. And, uh, you know, that's just a tough break for any anybody. I, I mean, I don't feel particularly bad for the Orioles, but I feel for the kid. That's, uh, that's a tough break, to a tough way to start your pro career. And, uh, and my ugly, and unfortunately, is another uh, sad situation. We saw this in the Tigers game against the Blue Jays. Uh, it's the worst thing. You know, one of the worst things you can see in, in a game, other than, I guess, maybe a pitcher taking a line ball to the face or a hitter getting hit in the head. Uh, Jose De Leon, who uh, he threw a pitch and then just crumbled on the mound. And uh, it, it really sucks for him because it, it was he was a, an amazing story, really. He was a guy, and we talk about the Dodgers development program all the time. He was a guy the Dodgers drafted in the 24th round back in 2013 out of Southern, uh, which is not a, a huge baseball school. They've produced a handful of big leaguers, including Ricky Weeks. But uh, but really, it's you know it's the swag, I think it is. It's, it's not a hotbed. Uh, but a couple of years into his pro career, he had lost a bunch of weight and gained velocity, and he was a top 30 prospect in all of baseball after being a 24th rounder. Mm. Uh, and then the Dodgers traded him to the Rays for Logan Forsythe. Remember Logan Forsythe? He was, he was a player for like two years uh, yep. with the Rays, and then they traded him to the Dodgers, and he disappeared. But since then, it's been nothing but arm injuries for, for De Leon. He had Tommy John surgery in 2018, uh, and then he popped up with the Reds last year and had one of the technically still a prospect at like 28 and had one of the most bonkers stat lines, and that was actually what, what Dan Dickinson was trying to say right as he got injured. The so last year with the Reds, he, he threw 18 in the third innings, 22 hits, 17 earned runs, 11 walks, and 33 strikeouts. So it was a 36% strikeout rate, but a 439 batting average on balls of play against. Uh, so he got rocked but also missed all the bats. So anyway, it was, you know, there's a guy who still had some talent, just probably hadn't had enough innings. And he kind of caught on with the Ray, the Jays this year, hoping to just, you know, get his career going yeah. and see him collapse in the mound. Like, you know, that's probably another torn elbow ligament or something awful. And he's going to be out for another year, if more. And you just, I, you have to feel for the guy. Like, I, I feel like every fan base probably has a situation like this. For me, it, it instantly brought back memories of Joel Zamaya. Uh, fall, you know, collapsing on the mound against the Twins, I think it was. Um, yeah, it was against against uh, Delman Young. Threw a, a pitch, and that was when he he actually threw so hard he broke his a bone in his elbow. Mm. I think it was, and he never threw another big league pitch. But his last pitch was 100 miles an hour, I think. So I don't know. It just it it was ugly, and I feel bad for the kid. So that's it. All right. Well, again. Yeah, as far as that goes, it, it, speaking of the Orioles, too, it's gonna be, they're going to be part of my good and bad, the ugly. The good starts with Akil Baladu's home run off Ryu on Saturday, which was Ryu's first start of the spring. Happened to be his birthday as well. And that was Akil Baladu's first home run since July 23rd, 2016, off a of lefty when he was in rookie ball for the Twins. So it's a, it's a positive sign. He didn't have any home runs. He only had, I believe it was what? four or five doubles against or lefties or one extra base hit, one extra base hit last year against lefties. So Akil Adu has by far had the best spring so far. And he's his approach at the plate. He's still 
very aggressive singing the first pitch strikes or first pitch rather and you gotta in terms of even defensively he looks like he's ready to go and I really enjoyed watching him play and, and just you know the helmet flying off which is all that stuff is, is fantastic <laughs> the bad is been the, the, the speaking of the Orioles by the way and the Orioles already gotten beat up enough enough with their payroll and what have you but there is something else imagine being a Baltimore Orioles fan right and that by the way they they lost I was like I was I was wondering about this earlier and I couldn't remember because one of my favorite voices is Gary Thorne and he is if you remember a lot of ESPN hockey in the 90s if you watch a lot of hockey but he does a really good job with Oriole games. If you watch the game where he does the golf, talking to golf, it, when the stadium was empty during the Baltimore riots, it's one of the funniest moments. So, <laughs> but the Orioles are going to believe, I believe, are going to be the only team that will not have either the neither the radio nor television broadcasters on the road at the start of the season. And the Nationals also have this in terms of. Um, will also not travel. They'll have their t- t- television broadcasters travel. So, um, which it has a lot to do with COVID. And this is, this comes from the, this comes from Dow, the human resources person from the, uh, M-A-S-N-D. And just basically saying they're just taking really, and I quote, an abundance of a caution due to the ongoing COVID pandemic, pandemic, which is hopefully be winding down and soon be behind us. As a prudent step in the context of a changing regional sports network, that's what MASN is. In MSAN will begin the season operating under a hybrid model that enables the network to conduct production locally while leaving all the major production pieces in place in the, on the truck site, uh, Dow said. So, but the reason why I was talking about Gary Thorne is he is no longer, in terms of, in terms of a play, 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 play by play guy. It's no longer gone. It's going to be Kevin Brown will be the the the, fir, the in terms of full crew. Kevin Brown will be the main guy, but Gary Thorne has moved on, and I I don't know it kind of sucks. I'm not going to lie because I, I not that I listen to Oriole games anyways. It's not like it's something I I listen to, but Gary Thorne is one of those voices. Hopefully, whatever he's doing is he's he's just he's a really he's a consummate pro, and I I'm a big fan of his game and and excuse me the way he calls the game and so um. Yeah, he'd, so, he'd be welcome in Detroit. Oh yeah, and I, and, but I'm not. You know what? I'm not. I'm not going there. But it is. <laughs> um, but <laughs> Melanie Newman, by the way, who did a fantastic job last year, will be back in the booth. Ben McDonald, who had some interesting tweets, and Jim Palmer will be back too as well. So the Hall of Famer. And my ugly involves. Well, the, my ugly this week is there's a lot of things about spring training. You have to kind of take it with a grain of salt. It doesn't matter. We, we've, we've said that. We'll continue to say that because, quite frankly, none of this, it, all the stats, all that stuff don't matter. But the ugly, to me, it stands out with the Arizona Diamondbacks because here they are. The, the Diamondbacks are starting over in a lot of different ways. And the reason I say they're ugly is they gave an extension to a five-year extension to uh, Marte, um, which kind of like, okay, that's that's great and all, but correct me if I'm wrong. Diamondbacks have been one of those few teams this offseason, like the Cleveland Guardians, that haven't done squat at all. So 
imagine, I mean, in the, this is okay. I'm not, sounds like I'm being real kind of a dick about the whole thing, but think about it this way. Who you, what are the Diamondbacks in terms of like talent wise are going to build around them? You haven't done anything. I mean, am I missing something? Arizona's going to be this, this good team in the, in a division that's this stacked. Did I, did I miss something about Arizona? They they do some curious stuff. They brought in Melanson as to be the closer. You know, he's like thirty eight on a bad yeah. team. I don't know what that does for him. Yeah, <laughs> and I mean he's he's one of those guys that's always going to be involved for a while. He was involved in every single trade at the deadline. Like he got traded to the Braves, he was traded to the Pirates, and he even pitched in San Francisco for a little bit. But that's it. I mean, I, I just the reason why it's ugly to me is because what given a matter of next year, twenty twenty three, are they just going to trade him? I mean, it's just, it, you know what I mean? Like, Chris, I, am I missing something here? Well, yeah, I don't, I, I mean, he's a good player. So if you want to have good players, that's a good idea. And I, I'm all for bad teams still spending money on guys. But it is kind of curious because, like, two of their top position prospects are outfielders, Corbin Carroll and Alec Thomas. So I don't know if they're going to move Marte back to second base eventually or or what there. But, yeah, I, or maybe they'll use the prospects. Of like, you know, you know, you don't not sign guys because you have prospects, but it still is like, Hey, you know, these guys are pretty close and they're part of the future. Uh, so I don't know. Yeah. It, uh, it's hard to, hard to say why. I mean, I, I don't, I guess a similar situation would have been the tigers in 2018 extending Nick Castellanos. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, Marte, I think, I don't know if he's ever been a free agent. I think he, he may have had his, uh, his like, you know, arbitration years already purchased uh, from him, but, uh, or bought out as it, as it were. So, I don't know, but yeah, it, it doesn't make a whole lot of sense it, it, to our traditional line of thinking where if you're going to suck, you, you suck all the way and you get rid of your veterans. And and I, I don't know, to a certain extent, maybe they should be lauded for spending money, just like the way the Rockies, like, uh, we have no idea what you're doing, but all right, money. <laughs> it's better for the fans to have some players they want to root for. But yeah, it doesn't make a lot of sense to the way we, we understand modern baseball. Yeah, and, and the Rockies was the same thing with the whole Chris Bryant thing, but but that's what the you expect that kind of madness from the Rockies in terms of their ownership and the way they in, in terms of it's I forgot Dick's last name. Montport. That's you expect that from Colorado. You expect some sort of insert joke about them being legal about weed into <laughs> that kind of madness, like reefer madness or whatever with that. <laughs> so it, it's expected. But for Arizona, it Arizona's made some curious things. I mean, they made Larusa, that David Stewart on top of the front office not too long ago. That was a disaster, and this is an organization at one point that had some, you know, they had AJ Hinch in mind. They've had some smart minds in there, but for whatever reason, it's I don't know. It just seems like it's even with the whole, they want a new stadium. The stadium's like now it's a whole different conversation. Stadiums are now twenty three years old and either twenty to thirty years old, and then just go gone. So, Uper, what is your good and bad ugly this week? Uh, my good, I'm just going to mention Bobby Witt Jr. Uh, really, he's kind of having the same kind of spring, you know, the same kind of hope that Riley Green is. Uh, he's already hit a couple home runs. Uh, a lot of people looking really uh, optimistic about what he's going to do as a rookie. Uh, and I would think that, you know, having seen him play last year, having followed him for a long time, uh, I have a hunch that, you know, if, if a Detroit Tiger does not win Rookie of the Year, it's because Bobby Wood Jr., uh, hit 32 home runs this year, something like that. Uh, the guy is just an uber talent. And it's so exciting for baseball in general and just for the Central Division because of, you know, you think of the hitters the White Sox have in place. 
you think of what the Tigers are hoping to build with their young players, and now you're going to inject, you know, Bobby Witt and Nick Prado and Melendez into the into the Kansas City lineup over the next year or so, uh, and this this spring. Um, I think it's a good look for baseball. Uh, some of these young guys are coming. I think Bobby Wood Jr. is going to be uh, right at the forefront of that list. I really like that kid. Um, my bad is uh, Ronald Acuna Jr. I was hoping he'd be back for opening day. Again, baseball needs stars, uh, but they're saying he's out till at least May 1st. So uh, that was a little disappointing. I mean, he's going to be back. It's not the end of the world. He's going to miss three weeks, but uh, certainly you always like to have your stars on the field if you're MLB. Um, and again, he's just, to me, he's as exciting as there is. I compared him to, uh, you know, someday being the next Willie Mays, that's probably not going to happen, but he's really good. You know, he's someone who's going to be in that range. Uh, so hopefully he gets back in one piece. And then the ugly Cody Bellinger. I mean, my gosh, you got ugly last year. Now it's 14 K's and 20 at bats, uh, so far this spring. I mean, my goodness. Uh, so the Dodgers are cutting bait and they're moving on and I can't blame them. You know, uh, uh, that is a precipitous fall. I mean, he was last year terrible and you got to, you had to believe he'd go into spring. He'd worked all winter. Maybe he was going to come back and figure something out. And obviously he has not. So I don't know where he goes from here. I'm sure someone takes a chance on him, but, uh, the Dodgers don't need to, (laughs) Those are some really good, good and bad yogas there on the fly there, Uper. So, but yeah, they do. MLB does need star power, and we get back to the Rockies for a moment. Having Chris Bryant there that does help a situation, and gives them a little bit of star power for an organization that. I mean, they have Herman Marquez. They have a couple guys in there. So, but before we get to the questions, one of the things an interesting article came out today by Chris Mikowski of the Detroit News, based off the conversation that AJ Hinch had with media before today's game and that involved first round draft pick 2021 first round draft pick Jackson Job. And in terms of signing him to a affiliate, there was it, the, the Tigers have really kind of the way it seemed like they're not going to rush him into some sort of development. And this is the quote from AJ Hinch from the article quote, he's learning how to be a pro. He's been on a five day schedule, which implying about throwing the first time he's ever done that. He's a young kid trying to find his way as a 19-year-old in a very crowded minor league system. The plan for him is to master his pitches before he necessarily worries about the competition. Building a foundation for him is really important. Whether he breaks or not with the team will be determined over the next week. End quote. So I know I, I liked what you said earlier, Chris, when we were talking before the podcast about this is really not a big deal in a sense because we had a similar situation with – was it Matt Manning you spoke of? Yeah, Matt Manning. And there was a debate that was in our own little DMs on Twitter that was just in terms of high school pitchers and the pros and cons and, and all that. So and that that was kind of for a while. I was getting my phone would not stop vibrating for on that whole entire back and forth like the missile war kind of thing. But uh but Chris, is this really this is really nothing to worry about. Am I right? I'm not terribly concerned. It would be nice to see Jackson Joe pitch at a, at a game. You know, he didn't after he was drafted last year. And, and so it's, we're going on like 10 months 
of, of him uh, having not pitched competitively in a game. But, the, you know, it, nobody cares about his first year in the minors. Like, I mean, we do, but the organization can't worry about that. They want – it's all about getting him ready and getting him to the majors. Uh, and, you know, we, we talked about it at the time a ton. The high school pitching is incredibly risky. Uh, you get a lot of guys who just completely flame out that it doesn't work at all. And sometimes you, got, you get guys that were spectacular. But it takes time for most of them. I mean, the good ones come very, very quickly. Like Clayton Kershaw, Madison Bumgarner were, were very quick. Rick Porcello came very quickly. He wasn't necessarily one of the, the great ones. But, but then, you know, Jacob Turner came really quickly too. And he never really figured it out. And Matt Manning was relatively quick. I think four, five years, basically. He probably would have been up in 2020 if he hadn't hurt his arm. I, I figured he would have come up at least for a game or two, just like uh, Mize and Scooble did. But, uh, yeah, I, I, you know, they're going to watch his innings this year. They probably won't let him pitch more than five innings in any start. He probably won't go more than 75 pitches in any start. Uh, and it's just a matter of, of learning how to be a professional pitcher. It's one thing to have the, the pitches and the athleticism and all the tools that he has and everything they like about him, but there's a process to becoming a professional pitcher that he has to learn. So, and, and, you know, who knows what's going on behind the scenes. Maybe they're scrambling and it's a disaster, but I, I don't think so. I think they're just taking taking their time, being cautious, and, and trying to build them up the right way. There's, some, there's a kind of a debate about whether it was just from the old guard pick versus the new guard pick. And the debate, I, to me, it's meaningless. And the bottom line is this. Look, there's something that, as Tiger fans, we should be, people that follow the team, what have you, we haven't been able to celebrate as of yet the fact that the Tigers still haven't had a regular infield prospect become a regular as of yet. We still don't have that. You have Ryan Kreidler waiting in the wings, but who knows? I mean, he's done really well in double A AA and triple A that you could be very optimistic about that. You could be optimistic about Bill Brisky, Garrett Hill. There's a lot of things to be optimistic about. The Tigers are definitely scouting better. And we saw some things last year in the minor leagues that we haven't seen before, which is significant process or progress rather. But you can win all the awards you want until they get on a regular level. But it's significant to mention these things because we haven't seen anything like this. This is a norm for – and part of the chat was, well, this is a normal thing for organizations. Absolutely right. I can't argue what we talked about in there. But that being said, for anybody that follows this team, knows a team, just fans in general have a good memory. And I think – People tend to forget. I think sometimes us as fans, but us as people in general that talk baseball forget that fans remember the Jimmy Jim Wallanders of the world who was a. Am I, I totally butcher his name, didn't I? Will Wander. Will Wander. Thank you. <laughs> they remember that. They remember the the call up potentially of Nelson Simmons in, in like 85, 86. A lot of people remember these things, but. If you look at it in the grand scheme of things, currently you can look at Justin Verlander, all this thing, all the 06 Joey, Joe, Joey, Joel Zuma, or wow, I'm totally blanking here. Um, Zamaya, all these things in the last 20 years or so. But in terms of regular players, this is going to take some time. And my point being is simply this. All the spring training headlines, all the positive vibes, keep them up. Tigers are going to be a good team to watch this year. 
But what I'm more interested in is what they get from the regular contributions from the farm system. Then we can start celebrating more successes. Then if we get a two-war player out of any of these guys, hey, uh, it, it, it's a step forward. If Jackson Joe takes four or five years to develop, by all means. But again, I mean, look at the spin rate aside. It's gonna, it's gonna. We knew going into this was gonna take some time. So, anyway, and my long, incoherent rant there for a moment. I just wanted to mention that because we get sometimes we do get ahead of ourselves a little bit. We can sell, we celebrate a little too much about things, but I'm just pumped to see some progress. So, and in terms of, oh, we did get a question there too. So we'll, we'll get to that as well in the chat. And Walter, uh, Walter Briggs, we haven't seen in a while. Chris, go ahead. You're gonna, you were doing some there. Yeah, sorry. Uh, I don't know if you wanted to. Is it muted over there? I don't want to get the echoes. Um, to to your point, um, nobody gets every draft pick right. Nobody gets every first round pick right. We we talk about the Dodgers player development system all the time. Uh, I mentioned that guy that we we saw on the game tonight. I was like, oh, Jared Kendall. Forgot about him. Their first rounder from 2017. He's not going to make the majors. Uh, he he's a guy who can't hit. They, he had all the tools in the world. They couldn't make him work. Grant Holmes, they drafted a few years before that. It, it didn't work out. Um, one of the Sheffield brothers didn't really work out. Like, you know, teams miss on draft picks. It's it's hard. Uh, yeah. The Astros blew two number one overall picks, Brady Aiken and Mark Appel. They blew them. Like, you know, they, they, they didn't work out. Uh, but the, the good organizations – managed to find talent in other places. And that's what we're seeing from the Tigers now. They're not nearly on the level of the Astros or Dodgers. As Walter mentioned, they really like uh, Christian Santana. He could be one of the first international players that actually works out really well. I, I don't want to – I mean, everybody seems to be excited about him. I don't want to say anything yet. He hasn't even played stateside. <laughs> um, but, yeah, like we, we t- you touched on it before, uh, getting Olsen from the Brewers – for Daniel Norris and Olson, we don't know what he's going to be. He's got four solid pitches. His command is a little iffy. His, his mechanics are, are a little bit scary. Maybe he's a, a reliever, but they got something from a, a, a left-handed reliever at this point, at that point, Daniel Norris, who went on to the Brewers and did nothing for him. I, I, I don't think he made the, the playoffs or playoff roster. Yeah. They got more Flores, an unsigned free agent for $20,000. He's one of their top 15 prospects. You mentioned Brisky and Hill. I, you know, I think they like Brisky more than Hill, but so they're, they're finding talent and depth in places that they haven't before. And I think that is a sign of a, an organization that is growing They're Like I said, they're not, they're not the Cardinals. They're not going to find Matt Adams and, and, you know, Trevor Rosenthal in like the 25th round. They're not getting Josh James yet, but they, they've got some interesting guys they're finding later and they're getting talent from elsewhere. We still haven't seen like, you know, they, they didn't make any great under the radar trades other than the Olsen, I guess. But, uh, I don't, I don't know. I mean, you know, Alex Lang looks okay. It's at the the loss of Nick Castellanos. I, I just I feel like they're getting better. And sometimes, uh, you know, you have to be good enough to live with a draft pick, even if you screw it up. So if if Job doesn't work out, hopefully they still got enough talent coming in from other arenas that they can uh, offset that. That's all I was saying. Yeah, and and, that, and that's a really good point, Chris. And in terms of even remember where they can get the value out of where they're getting it currently. But Youper, I'll refer to you on the, what we just discussed because out of the three of us, you have been the steadfast, I guess, I don't want to say pessimistic, but you've been kind of, uh, all right, guys, all right, listen, you know, like, 
Rogelio, keep you know, calm no, it's, down. it's all good. No, and, and but it's it, but that's that's why I like you on the show because you provide a very unique view than Chris and I both do. And you and I have both agreed about the, the farm system not being productive. Yeah. But but in terms of what you've been seeing, you're like I said, you're just as very critical as any, if not more than anybody else. What's your whole part of this conversation? You know, I think with Jackson Job, obviously, you know, Chris brought up the main points about why it was a little risky to, to take a high school arm at number three at Rady. And that's all fine. We can discuss that for a long time, whether they should have went with Marcelo Meyer um, or not. But I like the fact that, you know, he had um, some data uh, that they liked, evidently, that they believe in. Uh, it's a, kind of a new way forward for them uh, than what they've done in the past. I do think it's part of the new school uh, guys that wanted him uh, as part of this organization. Uh, that's kind of where I am. So, yeah, he could definitely flame out. You know, Bo Burroughs was a high school guy, and he never became much of anything other than a, a filler uh, at, the, at the major league level. But I would say, you know, Jackson Job's uh, uh, level of work out of high school is superior to uh, Bo Burroughs or even like Jake Thompson or some another high school guy I didn't do a lot. So uh, I'm okay on that front. I really am. Uh, I think with, with Job – and any worries right now, I don't think anybody should have any worries. Uh, I think if he was having like massive control problems that they were mystified about, or, or if uh, he had any kind of injury, some of that word would have leaked out by now. They can't keep too many secrets down there. Um, so I think they just have a plan and they want to work with him uh, and get him adjusted. And I think when you do invest in a high school guy, a pitcher that early, you know that unless he's really special, uh, it's going to probably be at least a three-year process to get him to the major leagues. And that's okay because, you know, they, they have the young pitching in place on the big league roster. If those guys work out, uh, they can wait. As far as, and, and here's another thing too, the to answer Walter's question, we, I've heard some, I've heard from a really good source that I trust that Santana is legit. Uh, but again, until we see him, either at West Michigan or we're going down to Lakeland, planning a trip down to Lakeland in June to go see our good friend of the show, Tiger Minor League Tracker, a.k.a. Kean. Hopefully that all works out. But we will see – hopefully we'll see Santana at some point this year. And if we do, we'll give you the honest assessment of what we see. But based off somebody who I know that I trust and they've been pretty good about being accurate about these things, they've, they've said Santana's legit. So we shall see because, again – Ryan Kreidler is an example of a guy who they, they they made a it was I think it was Cody the athletic and I thought he did a really good job of talk about how he's been in the Tigers biometric is a biometric did I say that right yeah biometric kind of laboratory of sorts that the Tigers are you know paraphrasing but when have I ever said those two sentences together biometrics <laughs> and the Detroit Tigers that doesn't happen so look if if you're going to tell me I'm a slappy or be optimistic, well, you're wrong. It's, it's, you could see it on there. If I'm going to, again, keeping it real, there's, you can be excited about baseball. You can be enthusiastic and you're going to have hope and hope is fine. Hope in, when you look at it, I think of Pandora's box, the riddle and the last thing, everything slipped out of the box, every evil in the world. The last thing that was kept in was hope. 
And if you don't have hope, what does it matter? And I, I, but I look at it, there's more than hope. There's more to it. There's actual talent. And I, that's the hard thing I don't understand. You could be, you could be as critical or cynical about the Tigers as you want. And we have been, I mean, if you listen to the best of earlier that we were playing earlier, Chris is some of the stats we're repiting back. We've watched a lot of bad baseball for the past six or seven, past six years. And, and Walter definitely, um, yeah. And you know what? Dan Hasty, God bless you, Dan Hasty, who's down in Lakeland right now. Excuse me, he's in Sarasota because he went to the game today. You can be optimistic. There's things to see. And if you watch as many minor league games or as many games we have, you can be that way. And I trust myself to know when it's, you know, Bula or not. Bula is going to be a new word, by the way, since we don't swear. Bula is essentially BS. But Bula sounds cooler than BS. Anyway. I like it. So it could be Bula or not. We've seen progress. And Dan Hasty, who does a fantastic job with calling the games, there was a lot of things last year he noticed on the Road to the Podcast, Road to Detroit Podcast, which, by the way, congratulations. And that was nominated for an MAB award, Michigan Association of Broadcasters Award, for a segment they did. And forgive me, I don't have the segment off the top of my head, but they were nominated for a couple of awards. And Dan and, and Nate Wangler do a fantastic job over there. So kudos to them. But anyway, there was a lot of things last year that you heard during the broadcast that Dan noticed about the team. Same thing with Greg Gagne over in Erie. There's, it's just not just these two players. They still have a long ways to go. So I just, there's a really kind of, I don't know, I get really kind of mad sometimes when you start getting a little optimistic and fans are like, no, no, no. Like, I know, I know the track record, guys. No international talent in a position player ever. Okay, okay, I'll tell Davy Cruz. Pardon me, but you get my point. So, it, it, anyway, it's Dude. cool. And I, I don't know, I just, I got really mad earlier during this, the whole chat because I was just like, guys, calm down, all right? I don't need no Dragon Ball Z fast fisting or uh, punching situation. Yeah, punching situation in Twitter. And my DMs, I don't need that. But D from Detroit had a question. Does Kryler's defense determine Candelario's future with the Tigers? That's a very good question. But, I mean, Candelario grades well in terms of defensively and offensively. He's team's war leader in the last couple of years. And, again, not by default, which somebody else said that on Twitter. Oh, he's the only player on there. Anyway, I think Kryler, Kryler's going to be playing short or third. He has that versatility. And Candelario was arbitration eligible. They 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 all agreed, and it's all that. But he's such a good guy in the clubhouse that you could see there's going to be a way for Ryan Kreider to play on this team. They'll find a way. But I think for now, Candelario is fine. I don't know what you guys think about that. How do you guys want to answer that? But I think Candelario is fine right now. Well, I think if you know if, if you look at how uh, Jamer Candelario hit last year, and let's just say that is the guy he is. Okay, and he, he's that guy for the next couple of years. No better, no worse. I mean, Ryan Kreidler's got you got a lot of work to get to be that good. I mean, that's that's a that's a really good ball player. So uh, you know, as he gets a little bit more expensive, and if Kreidler keeps coming on, do they look to make a change? Uh, does Candelario have a uh, a trade value to a contender? If indeed the Tigers are not one, when they they may well be uh, with the extra playoff spot. Um, I think I think Candelario 
he would have to take a significant step back to be in any danger of losing that job in the next two years. Personally. Yeah, no, that, I, I think you, you nailed it. I mean, Ken Lowry is projected to win, uh, be a three-war player this year by Zips. Uh, and, you know, it doesn't sound like a ton, but the Tigers have had a scarce number of those guys. And, and we like Kreidler, but I think he's not quite to that level. If the Tigers do think he is, uh, like you said, Ken Lowry is st- still under team control for the next two years. So if they really, really, really believe in, in Kreidler and think that he could be as good as Ken Lario, then maybe they trade Jamie Ken and and you try to upgrade maybe maybe if Kreidler's even uh, just an average player, a two win player, but they think they can get a three win pitcher for a three win third baseman, then uh, you make that move. But I I still think that Kreidler's main role this year will be as a guy who comes up uh, potentially as an injury replacement. If Candelario or Baez or maybe even Scope, if one of those guys get hurt, then I think he'll come up and play regularly. And beyond that, I think his value is going to be a, as a trade piece. I don't know if the Tigers are going to like go all in at the deadline this year and try to, you know, upgrade and go for the playoffs. But I also don't picture them. I mean, Kreider made it to AAA last year and played well, like really well. He mm-hmm. hit over 300 to get with power. He played good defense. I don't think they're going to keep him in AAA for two more years to, you know, to stew until Candelario is ready to go or, or you know, move move in free agency. So yeah, he's 24 uh, already. Yeah. So it, it, it's you think he's a trade chip. He's an injury replacement. Or yeah, maybe they 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 move Candelario, but I don't. Know. I think uh, I think for right now he, they just want him to play as well as he can and improve what he can and and you know move him eventually when they do. You guys think he could play second? I, I'm sure he could. I, I think that that uh, diminishes his value somewhat. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's nice to have uh, a good defender anywhere in the infield, but he's got the arm and the glove that you you kind of want. If he can play on the left side of the infield, it'd be great to stick over there. I, I you know, I, I would hesitate to say he's a better defender than Javi Baez. I, I would never say that, but like theoretically, they could move. Baez does have experience playing second. I don't think Kreidler does. That's I true. I don't see why he couldn't. I mean, the, what the difference there is, you just have to learn how to you know make the the pivot or whatever from from you know turning a double play. I'm sure. Pivot. <laughs> pivot. 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 Um, no, and we had a question about that. I think in the Tiger Minor League channel, I think it was in either the Discord or not. Again, I put the if you're on listening, if you're watching us on any on YouTube or Facebook or Twitch, again, I have put the channel to join the Discord, and we already have somebody in there, and we're Vango, so free chat. Just no one's going to bug you with anything, and so we're up at almost a hundred uh, people on Discord. But anyway. I, I just think it would be a waste to put him at second base for the gun. I mean, he's got an arm. He got a rocket. I saw the play. I think it was Friday or Saturday. I can't remember what play it was, but third, he just launched. I mean, he, same thing. I don't want, no, in terms of rockets from arms, we're, we're not going to call them piss. We're not going to call them piss missiles because that's, that's bats. So I don't know. We'll, we'll, we'll come up with something clever for Chris. You're really good with clever stuff. So I, I, I expect you to come out of nowhere. The one other option uh, that, Somebody, I don't know, it was one of the beat writers mentioned that, that we might see Kreidler in the outfield, actually, which would be interesting. I, I You know, I, again, you're kind of diminishing the value by taking a guy who could theoretically play shortstop and put him somewhere else. But if they like his bat that much, they'll find a place for him to play. I also think that really depends this year what happens with Gage Workman. Workman's had a good camp in terms of showing off his defensibility. And at West Michigan last year, he turned some heads based off his power. He had one of the longest home runs at uh, Lake Michigan or LMCU ballpark. So he, if Workman continues to develop, 
there you go. You could eventually see, or even like Workman at short and Kreidler at third as long-term solution. And I know Tiger fans, prospect fans are like, oh, yes, eternal, yes. But Kreidler could also, if you look at the outfield depth right now in the system, that is ready to go. It's very barren. I mean, Jacob Robson was set back down. He's a good forefield. He's a good fourth outfielder option. Willie Castro played. He played today in right. Was it? Where did he play today in the outfield? Did he play in the outfield recently? What I thought he played in the outfield. Or am I just imagining that? Yesterday, I, imagine. I think. I was okay. So if that's the case, either way. But we did get some questions. We got we got a few questions to answer. So Chris, take it away with some of the questions we got. Yeah, and you were right. Castro played left field today. He played left field the other day too. So you know they're they're trying him out there. Uh, yeah, we got a, a nice uh, assortment of questions here. We got Steve Butts. He said, with the temporarily expanded rosters and Kyle Funkhauser's injury, which is a lat strain, I believe, uh, and Michael Planeta's immigration issues, who is going to be the likely previously unexpected roster additions that will be joining the team? Um, this is something we were going to talk about a lot. I, for me, I expect it to be one of the middle relief types that have come into the camp, uh, either uh, Miguel Diaz or Will Vest. And then it comes down to me, is it, are they going to have another long reliever? Like, uh, I don't know if Peralta's also having issues and he can't get in there, or like a Chase Anderson or a Drew Hutchison, somebody they can remove from the 40-man easily enough, or another utility guy. And, and, and as, as of right now, I think it's probably going to be one of those middle relievers and probably Willie Castro. As far as – Uper will get to you in a second about this. I, I – I've been debating back and forth, and oh, we did get another question there too. We'll, we'll answer. D will answer a question here shortly. That's a good question. As far as I think Miguel Diaz did get beat up today a little bit, but I think Diaz, Will Vest has had a really good camp. He's had an uptick in velocity from last year. Last year when he was in Seattle, he was sitting around 94, 93 ish. Now uh, sitting up closer to 96, 97. Jason Foley's had a really good camp, and Foley's made a case too. He's Showed a really good slider yesterday. I don't know if you guys saw that slider or not, but that was that was uh, Chef's kiss there. And fully, we've talked about this on the minor league podcast a few times. That fully, and, and I, I got to give credit to James Chipman about his fastball movement. It was kind of straight; didn't really have him move anything, but he's shown some movement on his pitches, and it helps too. He's like ninety-seven, ninety-eight, and he has some riding action on his fastball. So I think for Foley, it makes the case for him to kind of perhaps fill in for that Funkhauser role. I mean, it, and, it, and there was a headline today about how Chris uh, Mikowski posted that it's frustrating for Funkhauser. And it's true because the guy worked his, the guy's worked his ass off. I mean, here was a guy who used to be a starter. They asked him to be a reliever and he for, was really saved the Tigers bullpen from that stretch. When the Tigers were out, got off the horrendous start and started playing 500 baseball in the second half of the season. Funkhauser was a big reason why he stepped up mm-hmm. and did a fantastic job out of the bullpen when they needed him the most. So, but I, I go with Foley Diaz, and I I know the Tigers like Jack Lopez. He didn't make the team, obviously, but I want to mention him only because I feel like he might be a quick call up away because he also played the outfield. He's played played short, played second. Dan Dickerson said on the broadcast that third might be a stretch for him, and I completely agree with that. So, uh, you what about you? No, you 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 jumped in. I, mean, I I I think it could easily be Foley. Um, you know, if Diaz has another bad outing, like he did, you know, I think they're going to probably go with the velocity. And I think Foley throws hard. And I think Vest throws hard. I think it's going to be one of those guys. And then today's comments, I just, you know, 
Hinch doesn't throw that out there for Willie Castro for no reason. You know, uh, I, I think that's a pretty good sign that with, with 28 guys available, he'll have a spot. So we did get a question in the YouTube chat from D from Detroit. Is Parker Meadows starting to turn the, is finally starting to turn the corner and there's, I'm trying, we're going to be doing a video. There's some more videos we're working on that obviously it's for a couple days, but the truth be told, it's just been between setting up everything today and all that, but I'm not going to make excuses, but there's going to be some videos. One of the videos is going to try to find out the swing mechanic changes, but he's looked good. He's hit the ball really hard in camp, but the answer to question D until you see him in a situation that's not like spring training. I mean, if he starts the season in Erie, that's a good sign because he hasn't played above high A yet, but I like the renewed optimism in, in Parker Meadows. I know he gets a lot of prospect guys give him bum rap. I know that there's certain people out there, but it's too early to tell, to be honest with you, until until we see him in, in regular action. But but what we've seen so far, it's improvement. Let's see him hitting 290 on, on July 4th. Then we'll we'll talk. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, the bar is awfully low here. I mean, this is a guy who just hasn't hit as a pro. He's got you know, three hard-hit balls in spring that we're kind of excited about. And if he made some real changes, he's a guy that they've always liked his underlying tools. Uh, so if he can hit the ball, then suddenly he becomes a lot more interesting. But, yeah, I mean, this is one of those cases where you can you can be optimistic but not, you know, not expect a ton. If, if it works out, then that's an awesome development in, in – you know, kudos to him and to the new development staff. But you know, what we've seen so far, it doesn't suggest that he's going to be a hitter. But, uh, you know, cross your fingers and, and hope for it. And the answer to your question about, do you ask about Franklin Perez? We haven't heard or seen anything as of yet. So I wish we had more data on that. If we were down in Lakeland, probably going to maybe the minor, we would spend a lot of time in the minor league camp if we could. But once the regular season starts, we'll have Jake. Jake's going to be out in Toledo, by the way, for opening day for the mud hens. And right now I think we, sh now Chris and I try to figure out opening day for the, for the tigers. I'll try to be out there. We're going to be out there for tigers opening day for tickets wise, but the white caps open the season in Midland. So we're thinking about driving up there to go see opening day out there. So we'll see what happens and we'll get back to about that. So uh, let's continue on Chris. What's the next set of questions? Oh, so then our buddy Steve Cook, uh, Slap Happy Cookie or whatever, uh, uh, he said, can you guys talk about how much the infield defense has improved since last year? It's a lot. This is the best Tigers infield defense since when? Pretty solid group. Every guy is above average to gold glove, he says. So uh, when's the last time a Tigers had a, a, a defensive infield this good in your mind? Well, 09, they signed Adam Everett, and they still had Polanco, correct? Um, maybe that's it. I don't know. I'm, I'm trying to think about this in terms of it has to be around the time with uh, Polanco being there. I don't know. That 2006 team had pretty solid, def solid defense. That's what I was thinking. 2006, 2007. I, yeah. I don't remember when exactly they got Polanco. If it was 2005, did they get Polanco? Yeah, mid-season, yeah. 05. So, I mean, you had Inge at third base and Guillen at shortstop. I mean, game was, was a pretty good shortstop when he was healthy. And then first base at 2007, first base was what, Sean Casey? Yeah. And I think that was probably their best all-around defensive infield in the last 15 years. I mean, they've had some good fielders since then. You know, Jose Iglesias was flashy. 
Adam Everett, as, as you mentioned, Johnny Peralta graded above average somehow. Uh, and Ian Kinsler was a great second baseman, but uh, yeah, usually the corners have been the issue. So uh, yeah, I don't know. It, it should be exciting. We'll see what happens. I mean, you know, Baez has been a goal glover. Barnhart is a goal glover. Scope is uh, better at second base than first base. Torrell seems seems fine at first base. I think they're, they're you know he'll probably grade out below average just because everybody does at first base. And Catalario's is average to uh, maybe somewhere a tick below or a tick above. So yeah, it's a solid inf- infield defense. How do you guys think Scope is aging physically in terms of does he look a little bigger to you than he was a few years back? He always looks bigger to me than I realize because he's like six three and, and two hundred twenty five pounds or whatever. I, I don't. Uh, he may have gotten thicker. I said the only guy I noticed this year is Zach Short looked a lot thicker. Eyes and butt. I'm like, oh, look at that. Look at that. Uh, but I, I didn't really. I haven't zeroed in on scope. I'll I'll check it out next time. Part of my uh, which way the gym is pointing sign, but yeah, Short definitely looks a little a little bigger, and he's already in terms of very power number. Like this guy's already had some pop to his bat, but. As far as scope is concerned, and Walter brought up Brandon Edge as part of that defense. You're absolutely right, Walter. He did hold it down at third, but I would, yeah, I, I would say around that period of time. I, I, to me, I think that one of the things that I'm excited for about having Bias and Scope turn and, and Dan Dickerson made a really, again, paraphrasing what he talked about yesterday about the the pivot pivot. Um, with that should be the name of the po- uh, episode today, but. They in terms of they play together, I believe. I can't remember what system. I think it was in the Cubs system. Scope and Bias played together. Hmm. Did you guys know that? Really, I didn't know that. Yeah, I, no, maybe, with, get, oh, no, because let's see. Bias has always been in the Cubs. Scope was Orioles, and then the Brewers. Yeah, was he on the Twins at one point too? Yeah. Scope played for the Twins. Yes, one year. Now they may have. Yeah, I don't know when they would have played together. That's interesting. They didn't play like they're not from the same country because. Uh, yeah, Scope is. Scope played for the Netherlands and Curacao. And Baez is Puerto Rican, I believe, right? Yeah. On on that, so that's my bad. Um, but that being said, either way, I, I just remember that he was talking about how they will beat off each other on that. So, but my mistake on that, that's a, if we had to do an ESPN, what's that show where the guy comes out and does a correction, that'd be it right there. So glad that we have the internet. Um, oh, Milwaukee. Oh, you said, he, okay. So Walter Briggs in the YouTube channel was talking about the, the brewers in a little bit. And then he told you and that scope actually lost weight this year. So, Oh, okay. Yeah, there you go. So, all right. On to the next question. And this one, you actually found this one from, he said, from Mark and uh, Motown Mark and GB. He said, is the next big move solidifying and extending A.J. Hinch as the manager? And he said, I think it should be. He's clearly been an influence on what they are doing throughout the organization. Uh, definitely. I mean, 100%. That should be the priority. And right now, everybody's pointing at the sign that with, Baez and Rodriguez having those two-year opt-outs is right around the time the Hinch's contract ends. I think the Tigers will make that a top priority, as they should. Because if you look at – there's something that I was thinking about the other day with when we had Crystal and Janice on for the White Sox. Hinch, in theory, if it wasn't for Jerry Reinsdorf, would be in Chicago right now, period. There's no, there's no debate about it. I remember Chris finding that tweet where 
AJ Hinch's signature was on. Remember that last year? That whole it was a whole debacle. But if you look at it in the grand scheme of things, in terms of young talent, Detroit actually edges out Chicago. The White Sox's minor league system is not that good. They really have a bunch of players that are high A or mid A right now. But in terms of Tigers, have a slight advantage up there. So it's a no brainer. There's been a, a mindset. He, the way he managed last year, normally, like I said, I think with managers, I've always, I've always been on the philosophy about what Sparky Anderson has said, that it's really the, it's the talent you have on your in the field and the rest is just kind of being like a psychologist, what have you. Hinge graduated with a psychology degree from University of Stanford, which is not, I mean, it's a pretty damn good school. And the, to be able to pull the Tigers out of that tailspin to start the season last year with a roster essentially that Ron Gardenhire essentially had minus a few players here and there, it's impressive. He used Harold Castro, hitting Harold Castro. As much as we all joke about Harold Castro, and just he keeps on, he found a way to use utilize him really well. I thought the way he did that last year was phenomenal. And given Akil Badu, enough time to reset himself when he was having moments where he was uh, struggling. That's a rule five guy. It's amazing. And the way he managed the bullpen. So if they don't do it, I, I, that should be number one priority before anything else. You got to believe that they want to, I mean, they've made so many of these hirings throughout the organization that at least have had whispers of having his fingerprints on, on them or if, at least his approval uh if they're going to build around like that you think they're going to want to lock him up now if he does have this opt-out which has that i don't know if that's ever been confirmed <laughs> that lynn henning mentioned um the one the nice thing about opt-out is as long as you have it you have that little bit of power uh that you give away when you sign something else so uh, he'll have to weigh if, if he has a lockout or does he uh, uh, an opt-out or does he want you know, the long-term security of a five-year deal. Probably will take the five-year deal. <laughs> Not really. I mean, yeah, it, it would be nice. AJ Hinch seems like a really good manager. It'd be nice to get him locked up, but uh, I, I don't know. Who knows what goes on behind the scenes? Who knows what he wants to do? Maybe he wants to be back. Uh, maybe he'll be back in Houston in a year or two uh, where his family lives, you know? It, uh it's got to be tough to be a manager away from your family. So, I don't know. We'll see. All right. We got any more questions? A couple more. Uh, we, we, Deadly Ninja B said, is Willie Castro a better player than Ryan Kreidler? His OBP was 273 last year. His fielding is gruesome. I, I will say that he might be better than Ryan Kreidler. We don't know. Probably not. Maybe. Uh, but it's that's more of a matter of, of roster resources, right? Like, do you want Ryan right. Kreidler up playing every third or fourth day? Probably not because he's still developing. Uh and uh, yeah, I don't know. So I don't know if you guys have anything else to add to that. I got no. I mean, I, no. I don't got anything. Uh, and then we got, uh, let's see, Epic D3C from, uh, you know, he's on the uh, Discord. Discord. He said, did the Tigers make the playoffs? I don't yeah. think- no, I don't. Look, I, as much as I'm buying into the optimism and every fan should be, they're going to be improved. They're going to be definitely improving. They're going to be an improved ball club from last year. I should have just said that versus the way I said it the first time. But as far as getting – in terms of getting the 500 or even, I'm sorry, getting the playoffs, look what Toronto did. Toronto, Toronto is just – Toronto is going to be a juggernaut. You saw the Yankees that are really good. 
Boston, there's a lot of things with Boston there that they they won they won they got to the postseason last year. You have Seattle. Seattle quietly, I, I, the team I think in the American League that's going to be Seattle's expected to get in the playoffs. Don't get me wrong, but I think Seattle's might be better than we anticipate. And Toronto did enough to line themselves up. As far as the AL Central, as far as that goes, in terms of the, the Tigers, I think would have to win the division to get in the playoffs. I really believe that, and that means surpassing the Twins and surpassing the White Sox. And I don't know if they're there yet. I'm again not trying to be Debbie Downer here with that, but based off the oh wait, I did not know Marvin Gonzalez is the Yankees. Sorry, totally the ADHD moment there. But I don't think the Tigers have enough offense to get there. I really don't. I mean, you can talk about the 11 walks they had yesterday against the Phillies. Yeah, but the Phillies don't have any good pitching. And it's spring training. Mm-hmm. But, but I mean, you you could be encouraged on what you saw on Spencer Tokelson and Riley Green on pitch recognition all day long. You should be ecstatic. You should be pleased as punch, as they say, which I never yeah, – anyway, it's a weird phrasing, pleased as punch. <laughs> but, uh, you know, no, it's – you should be very optimistic about that. And we did get a question in YouTube, by the way. Or, Chris, unless you want to add anything, guys, gentlemen. No? Nope. Okay. So, last, it looks like the last question is from Walter on YouTube. Are we done – are the Tigers done with Brian Garcia? I put him on one of the guys who is potentially at risk to lose his position on the roster. And I cited some stats that were interesting. And there was one stat that Chris and I were going back and forth about a stat that whether or not it really matters or not, but the league at, in terms of when he was ahead of the count, when the batter was down on the count and Brian Garcia was ahead of the count, teams hit 320 off Brian Garcia. And what was the league average, Chris? What was that average that you pulled up? I want to say 175 or something like that in that range between 170 and 190. And there was only two pitchers that were worse than Brian Garcia. That's it. And in terms of getting swing and miss stuff, it's not it's not as present as it was in 2019. And you can look at his ERA and and, and there's excuse me, 2020. I know we had we had a writer we, we talked about this a couple of years ago about how good his season was. But if you look deeper in the numbers, his X ERA was a little higher than his ERA, his FIP. So he got he got some luck. And I and Brian Garcia is a guy who works but his works extremely hard. But at the same time, there's just I don't think there's enough swing and misses there with his slider. And Chris, you said this earlier. We're talking his changeup is better than his slider, um, but he doesn't really get a lot of people to chase. And if you don't have a good K per nine, you're not going to survive as in the American League as a reliever. It's that simple. Yeah, I think I think uh, I think his days in the organization are numbered as well. So yeah, like you said, you know, he's he's probably one of the top two. DFA candidates, uh, along with Del Pozo, and you know they have. It's not that hard to find middle relievers, unfortunately, for him. And uh, you know that's just the way it goes. It's. It's. I. I would say the other day, it's always bumps me out when you see these kind of older middle relievers who who can't hack it. But uh, it's. Uh, it's a nasty game, and if you can't get people out, then that's. Uh, there's not much use for you. I, I bet I they stashed him at Toledo, but yeah, I don't disagree with that. Anything you guys say on that one? But as and, far as that, oh, go ahead, Chris. Oh no, there, there were just two more questions. Okay. It, 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 I don't know, it, oh, my, my bad. I didn't see those. My bad. 
No, yeah, they're on the, uh, you know, they were on Twitter. It's Steve Cook again asked uh, for our expectations for Joey Wentz this year. And the Knicks Blaine asked us if there are any trade partners for some of the logjam type players in the system, like Daz Cameron, Cody Clemens, and Isak Peretti. So, Cooper, you want to go ahead and start that one off? That's a, the, the Nick one's a really good question on that one. The trade partner. Oh, oh. Sorry, but sorry about that, Uber. Go ahead. I think with the trade partners for for Cameron, you know, and those type of players, uh, obviously you then have to be dealing them off for very young players who uh, don't have to be on the roster. You know, I, I'm very skeptical that they have a big trade value. I'm not sure what you could get. I mean, whatever you're going to get is going to be very minimal. Uh, so I, I don't. I, I I would be very surprised if any moves like that happen. As far as trade partners are concerned, with guys like for Paredes, Paredes who got injured earlier today, but he made a really nice play at second on cleaning up. But apparently everything was okay. He had to leave the game, but still, the thing about Paredes is I think he has a role on the team because he can play third, he can play short, he can play second. There's a team out there, I think, that would have to – we've seen this before with Alvila kind of being scared to pull the trigger on some of the players. I mean, they traded Nick Quintana for Tucker Bernhardt because Cincinnati did not want to pay the money. It's simple as that. And they just – the Tigers gave away a second-round draft pick that did not work out and getting Quintana a, a fresh start, if you will. But as far as trade partners, I mean, you would like to believe that Oakland's still in the mix for Frankie Montas, but the Tigers' rotation seems to be set. They could trade for an outfield bat out there that, or excuse me, a, a, a bat, I should say a more established bat that maybe needs a new change of scenery, if you will. But off the top of my head right now, um, I also, we got, we got, a, we got a question in our discord channel too. So we'll get to that in a second as well. But um, as far as the outfield goes, excuse me, as far as trade partners go, the Tigers have in tourist history with training this with the Cubs. It seems like the Cubs, the uh, uh, Oakland, they've done some trades with before in the past. Uber, I feel like I'm missing somebody. In terms of recent trade partners. Oakland, yeah, uh, Cubs. Um, I think that's really about it. They don't really. <laughs> they haven't ventured too far. Yeah. Arizona. Yeah, Arizona. By the way, oh, and yeah, of course. Uh, hi, by the way, to Hen's Highlights there on YouTube channel, who's been watching both shows this week, so. Thanks for joining us this week, this evening on that. But uh, I, you know, a team. Here's the thing: like I look at a team that needs a center fielder with Derek Hill, and Lynn Henning today, the Detroit News retired, or however Lynn Henning's role is. First and foremost, Lynn Henning, thank you for recommending our podcast to people to check out on Twitter. So I, I don't know. Did we ever say thank you? Did we? I, I thought. I think did. yeah, we had we had we had our guests on. I don't think we got around to it. That was wonderful of him. Yeah, 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 because, yeah, big, big thing. Thank you, Len. Len Henning, man of the people, a joyer of the first time I ever got the mental meet him was episode 240, the shrimp caper, the shrimp boil caper, which was three years ago, and Lynn's been a really good supporter, and honestly, thank you. That, that made my day. But Lynn Henning tweeted earlier that Derek Hill should be, has potentially be traded. And as far as the center field options out there for teams, off the top of your head, guys, I can't – I'm trying to think of – you know, the Pirates could use one right now. I know that uh, Anthony uh, 
Anthony Alfred is their center fielder, and he's been is he is he he's playing left or right or is he starting center? I thought they had Brian Reynolds in center, but I don't know. Oh if he's yeah, oh, yeah. But they could trade for an outfielder because Alfred's been struggling in spring training so far. So I can see the Pirates on top of my head. I'm trying to think of another team. The White Sox need an outfielder. They definitely need a right. They, they the White Sox, but then you look at who they have. There's not really anybody worth a value. They're not going to trade Oscar Colas. They're not going to trade uh, the other uh, Cespedes. So you're not going to really help your division. So I, I don't like it. Cleveland could always use an outfielder. That's a generic joke we always talk about. But Toronto just got a center field. They're from Arizona. So I, I'm drawing a blank in terms of anybody else. But I, I really I really think that Paredes' role is still going to be on this team. I think he has a way to go about it. But they have to – I think they're going to make a trade. But to, to who they're going to trade is anyone's guess at this point. But they ha- they kind of have to make a trade. So Okay. Yeah, that, all I'll say is, is that – those guys in particular, I think to trade them, it's going to have to go to a team that's not interested in competing this year and has playing time. And I don't know how many of those teams there are. Like you mentioned Pittsburgh, they got a loaded system, Baltimore, maybe as somebody who like, we're still giving guys a chance. Uh, but really there aren't that many. We talked about Arizona a little bit, Colorado maybe. Um, but uh, yeah, I, I don't know. I, I think we may see uh, a series over the next two years, the, a series of guys getting kind of uh, designated for assignment and claimed, which is yep. not, I mean, we saw a little bit of it in, in the recent years with guys like John Schreiber and, and, and Sergio Alcantara and stuff like that. It just may be the way it's going to go uh, because the Tigers roster has gotten better over the last two years. And, and yeah. sometimes you lose guys. The uh, And then to uh, Steve's point or question about Joey Wentz, um, I expect Joey Wentz to pitch about 100, 100 innings in Toledo this year. Uh, and probably be the third starter up when the Tigers need somebody. Uh, yeah, I would imagine there'll be a couple of veterans first, but Wentz is on the 40-man roster, and I, I do think we'll see him in Detroit this year if he stays healthy. It was it was nice seeing him throw harder the other day. His secondary still weren't really there. His command wasn't really there, but uh, he's a guy that they will, I think, call on at some point to start for them this year. Definitely. There's the, 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 Wentz is ceiling – he looked good in the only limited one start we saw him in spring training, and the velocity was up, and he looked a lot better than when we first saw him in Erie last year. He was still trying to figure things out. I think it was three or four inning limits he had last year, the Seawolves, Chris. Is that correct? Does that sound right? I don't think it was necessarily innings limits. I think it was pitch limits. I think he was limited yeah, pardon me, yeah. pitches. Uh, but, no, he kept getting, like, three-inning starts because he he just could not put anybody away last year. He was getting, like, these 8, 10, 12-pitch at-bats where he would – you know, they just foul pitch off or after pitch off. Uh, he wasn't throwing nearly as hard, and who knows if he will when he's stretched out more. I think, you know, he was only out there for an inning or two, so he's probably throwing harder. But, yeah, it's it's he's a guy who he doesn't have a ton of margin for error, but his stuff is decent enough. He's a big body. He's got an interesting angle. I think he can work as a back end of the rotation starter, but he just needs to refine his command. Yeah, I mean, as far as that goes, it gives the Tigers – to have him back in the rotation is great because especially – with again, there was another debate in the Twitter chat we had about Bill Biscuit being legit or not, and that's that's another story for today. The Jack Lopez question came from Discord. What's the story with him? Essentially, he's going to be down in Toledo, but he might be one of the first guys to be called up. He plays short, he play second, and like I mentioned earlier, he plays the outfield. So, uh, Lopez, um, 
if anybody's seen if anybody's seen red versus blue the whole halo show that came out bonus points for understanding that lopez reference if you don't and you act look at me like a guy i was wrong so anyway <laughs> uh, but chris was that the final of the questions all right so we are going to be talking royals this week with one of our friends max over at royals review uh sb nation site uh, we have had on now. We had him on last year after uh, absence, and Max is good people. He actually was was he born here, Chris? Do you remember? I think he said he was from the area, and then he moved down to Kansas City. I think that sounds yeah. right. Yeah, then we can ask yeah. him again. Yeah. So we're gonna talk Royals, talk, and you know, I'm sure Youper will gush over Bobby Wood Jr. some more, <laughs> and that's been it's fine. Um, but yeah, they'll be talking some Royals this week. We'll have a couple articles. We'll have some forty man previews coming out. A kill about you here in the next couple of days uh check out mcb go to mercybangles.com and look at the mcb sunday notes i just posted we also have a new writer gabe feldman who wrote a rock opening day roster 1.5 because chris did the 26 tickets to opening day so we're keeping up with that tomorrow's gonna be some cuts announced so we'll be definitely talking about that on thursday we're gonna be probably doing tigers for at least a half hour 45 minutes before max so if we would have had this show done on Thursday, we would have not gone off till after midnight. So I'm glad that we were able to separate that. <laughs> and uh, Youper and I are going to go off right now, and we're part of a fantasy league. Actually, I was going to throw this idea out there for the audience before I go. If anybody wants to start a fantasy league, which I don't have to run and not be responsible for, if one of the fans listening to the podcast right now wants to start a fantasy league for Tigers podcast people, leave us a comment. Or let us know on social media, or Twitter, Tigers Radio Pod, or at our email, tigerssrd at gmail.com. And so use the Yahoo. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Thank you. Uh, use Yahoo because Yahoo is a lot easier of a format. But if you have a, a preference for fat tracks or anything like that, look, in terms of fantasy baseball out there, there's a million things you can do right now. Michael, our friend Michael Glove, uh, who writes all over, does a fancy um, podcast. It's Hey, hey, it's uh, Pel- Pel- uh, I was trying to blank out his name on the podcast. Enrico hey, Palazzo. Enrico Palazzo, yeah. <laughs> yes. yes, thank you. From, of course, Govier. Yankee Gun. Yeah. Govier. Michael Govier does a really good job. There's so many fantasy baseball sources out there. Marty Tillman, former writer for MCB. But if you want to start a simple introduction league for Tiger fans out there, if you want to, please go ahead. I, I'll, I'll, we'll participate in it. Yes. And uh, we'll have fun with it. And I promise you, look, as far as maybe knowing baseball is great, but fantasy, eh, I was towards the tail bottom of our league last year in the Fred Murrow League, which has been going on. Youper uh, gave me some really good history about that league, which I was not aware of. So, um, but if you want to start a league, just let us know. And again, subscribe to our Patreon, Tigers Radio, or excuse me, Tigers Minor League Report. As we, again, it's been, it's been picking up steam. Minor League season is just around the corner. We have plenty of stuff to plenty of extra content, bonus stuff. The videos, I promise you, we've been cranking them out. Chris and I were going over some of the Bo Brisky stuff the draft. and the draft. So, what time is the draft? Seven minutes. Seven minutes. All right, we gotta go. Thanks so much for listening. <laughs> we appreciate you, and we'll talk to you on Thursday. Have a good week, everybody. Peace. <laughs> time to.